You're listening to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Show, a podcast to inspire physicians in the process of immigration to the United States and access to graduate medical education. We create meaningful and helpful content that motivates medical students and doctors throughout the world with the goal of creating a community that supports itself and gives feedback to each other, that stays updated with the most recent tips and advice on how to make it in America and become a successful resident or fellow in the speciality of your dreams. Dr. Alonso Osorio is board certified and residency trained in both emergency and family medicine and will be bringing you 20 years of his personal experiences, struggles and motivation. We'll be chatting with people like you to talk about the lessons they've learned along their personal path, how to make an impact and how we can all benefit from it. Also, we'll analyze the current resources available and how to benefit from them. Thanks for joining us. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to the Foreign and International Medical Graduate Podcast. This is episode number two. The goal for the podcast is to provide top secrets for physician immigration into the United States. And today, I'm going to concentrate about telling you about who I am. Uh, my name is Alonso Osorio. And I'm a native from Bucaramanga, Colombia, South America. Uh, right now, I'm a United States citizen. I became a citizen in 2012, and I did it through the labor certification process. I attended medical school in Colombia, my hometown of Bucaramanga, at the Universidad Industrial de Santander, which is part of the Directory of International Medical Certified Schools that the ECFMG was uh, listing every year. And in my desire to become a board-certified emergency physician, as I said in the pilot episode, I did apply initially for a residency spot in emergency medicine, but I didn't quite match, so uh, I had to settle for an opening in family medicine. Before I go further into that uh, and tell you my crazy experience about how I got here, I want to let you know that it was really hard at the very beginning to get my local medical school to give me permission to come to the United States because they felt that the experience that I was going to gather in the U.S. was not going to be valuable for me. Obviously, my goal was never to practice medicine in Colombia. And if I ever did, I think by the fifth, sixth year of medical school, my internship, I had gathered the most basic knowledge of what I needed and required to be a proficient physician, a general practitioner in the country of Colombia. No matter what, I still had my year of rural service spending to come. And during the sixth year of medical school, you're mandated to do a one-year internship rotating as an intern, in-house physician, still under the status of medical school within the teaching hospital. Usually, it's about 12 months long, and what I requested is to be able to come to the United States and do an observership the William J. Harrington uh, Latin American training program at the University of Miami. I requested an observership for 12 months. Back then, the price that I had to pay per rotation was about $100 a month, plus health insurance, plus all other fees implied in the application process, etc., etc. So I approached uh, the dean of my school at that time and asked him for a leave of absence for 12 months after they took this to the board of attendings at the school 
they got back to me and they told me that I was only approved for six months for that year and I needed to come back and do six more months so knowing that I was committed to this path I decided to take on the task and come here into the United States and do my 12-month rotations by the time I finished here I came back to Colombia and I did six more months of uh, clinical rotations in internal medicine OBGYN the emergency room pediatric and so forth but by then I had already taken a step one a step two on the clinical skills assessment the time that I spent here at the University of Miami obviously was not easy whatsoever it was grueling times uh, at that point in time this overlap with a financial situation that was tough for my father to support. He had been in government career path towards becoming CEO and unfortunately he lost his job and he had to go and console independently as a, an engineer and he didn't have the means to really kind of get me all the support that I needed but he kept working hard and he supported me with the financial means to make it into America. We can go deeper and talk into the amount of money that you need to have to make it here. In my personal case, I've been blessed. Uh, I was middle upper class Colombian type of citizen. Uh, I had all the basic needs. I never really had to struggle for anything in life. Uh, I was a former tennis player, easy life, attended public medical school, didn't have any significant loans, had a, my own vehicle, etc. And this might not be the situation for each one of you, but I can tell you there is a significant burden economically for those that desire to come into the United States to practice medicine. So, as I said, I made it here into the U.S. Back then, Lina Navarro was the director for the program, and Barbara Breto and Jesse Blay, uh, the University of Miami Observership Program, welcomed me in a very nice fashion. My goal from the very beginning was to obviously obtain good letters of recommendation, perform the best in my observations, polish my English, learn how to complete a history of present illness and a physical exam in the English language to be proficient to take the clinical skills assessment back then, only given to foreign medical grads. Nowadays, part of uh, the step two uh, clinical skills uh, part of the uh, testing process but for us um, it was a complete different situation it was only dispensed and administered in Philadelphia at the headquarters of the ECFMG so I did my rotations I went through many different specialties I rotated in many different services and I was there for about uh, 12 months from July 1st, 2000 to June 29, 2001. My rotations were general cardiology, pediatric emergency room, CCU, transplant surgery, cardiothoracic surgery, a cardiology teaching lab that taught us the basics of EKG. I did a rotation on forensic pathology, ophthalmology at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute, adult psychiatry, emergency room, uh, psychiatry crisis intervention, sports medicine down at the campus of the University of Miami in a private practice, surgical emergency department, and trauma minor surgery. So with all that, I gathered probably about five or six letters of recommendation. Some of them were fantastic. Some of them were not as good, but I 
was aiming to have a big, broad-based exposure to what I wanted to accomplish to become an emergency physician since we don't have emergency medicine as a specialty in, in Colombia, or back then at least we did not have it. Now we have several residency programs in emergency medicine. Uh, I don't know. I felt that they didn't have enough information to judge me and uh, rate my experience as an emergency physician. Uh, the only experience that I had was working in a rural emergency room in Colombia during my rural service that was about to come. I mean, we're talking about before I went into rural service, but, you know, that's the only real emergency medicine experience that I had, but it's not American-like emergency medicine experience with all the supplies and the environment and the resources that we have in this country. So I completed my 12 months rotation. I filled my CV, my resume with some strong letters of recommendations. And not only that, I also fulfilled and completed my step one, uh, which I took and passed on a first sit down process. Then I started for step two, which I took and passed on the first taking chance. I would say it took me about nine months to study for step one. My learning process was really slow. It took me hundreds of hours, very long hours. I would go to rotations from 6 or 7 a.m. till 5 or 7 p.m. I would have a little meal and go to the Miller's uh, School of Medicine's uh, library and sit down until closure hours, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning, take the people's mover all the way to uh, Brickell Key in Miami and do it all over again for nine months, including Saturdays and Sundays. And it was not an easy task. I grabbed every single possible available book. And I did something that most of you have not done, which is studying each topic at the time, pharmacology, biochemistry, immunology, statistics, pathology, microbiology, etc. Going to the Krebs cycle, and all these different aspects. Once I had gathered a broad knowledge of step one content in English, obviously, it's not until that moment that I felt strong enough and confident enough to be able to go to quicker training books like the review books that are condensed in 200 pages or, you know, the first aid for uh, USMLE step one or step two. For me, those were too concise and the Americans learn by mnemonics, and that's not the way I learned. I had to read over and over, write, sit down, and do it all over and over again. Also, I did thousands of questions, you know, hundreds if not thousands of questions, trying to go over uh, my skills on, on the reading, on the pacing, on the timing, on how to organize my thought process, on how to get used to standardized testing because that's something that we don't do in Latin America and I did it I took a step two I was successful at that I had some decent scores probably 75th percentile I know of people that have had 99th percentile and they just excel they're grass to staker they got the gist of how to get it done but in my personal case it took forever no matter what with those two awesome passing scores, I went on to apply for the CSA, the Clinical Skills Assessment Test, formerly the OSCE, that the medical students were taking in the United States. They made it only available for foreign medical grads. I went to Philadelphia. I went with my brother. 
he borrowed me, I remember, the $1,200 that I needed for the test. I stayed at my cousin's apartment in New York, and then we took the Amtrak to Philadelphia, stayed overnight in a hotel, got to see a little bit of Philadelphia, took my test. A few weeks later, so I received the test, and I did fantastic. And I passed. Four weeks later, I get my result. I'm back in Colombia. I would tell you the truth, having had passed step one was probably one of the happiest moments of my life, and never having had failed any of the tests. It was such a big deal for me, and we all know we cannot afford to lose, not even to fail a test. We have to have excellent results from day number one. So I went back to Colombia. I went through the six months of extraclinical rotations that I needed to accomplish in my teaching hospital and moved on to my rural service. I happened to tell my dad that I didn't want to do the rural service. He told me there is no way that I'm going to leave the country without having finished that because in Colombia they don't give you the medical license until you completed your rural service and it's just much easier and straightforward to get it done when you're young and fresh out of medical school. During my year of rural service, I uh, studied for step three. Probably eight months into my rural service, I was studying at home and practicing with a friend of mine. His name is Carlos Herman Fernandez, who I love very much. So this is a shout to Carlos, who currently is attending a Brigham Women's Hospital in Harvard for the Department of Psychiatry. Anyway, he was my spotter. He was my support. He was my person to bounce back ideas. So we spent also hundreds of hours studying together. We studied together for the CSA. We simulated the testing scenarios. We simulated the, the written case scenarios. He was my buddy. He's awesome as well. He's extremely successful here in the United States. And we went through this process together. We actually have known each other since we were in first grade all the way to medical school and uh, graduate medical education and residency training. And, you know, now we are both here in the U.S. So I finished my rural service uh, and I had finished also my step three application. I came here to the United States. I took it in Miami, Florida area, and I passed. So by the time I submitted my application for a residency program, I wanted to build it as strong as possible. I wanted to have every single requirement. So I had a step one, step two, CSA, step three, decent score, some strong letters of recommendations. And I decided to go through the matching process. Not easy. We'll go over this in, in, a, in a future episode. I was able to apply to emergency medicine, family medicine, and I applied to surgery because if it was not going to be emergency medicine, I thought maybe trauma surgery with categorical positioning in surgery. But, you know, obviously it's almost impossible to match as a surgical resident unless you have done some strong surgical rotations or have some fantastic scores, something special that you have to have. And we can talk about this in the near future. But in my personal situation, if it was not family medicine, it was going to be emergency medicine. So I applied to every single program in the United States that was non-military, non-DO, that had open positions. At that time, not all the programs took uh, foreign medical grads. I think that still that happens. And no matter what, I spent thousands of dollars during that process. I think back then from application position number one through 10, it was like free. And then from 11 through 25, you had to pay like 10, 15 bucks per, per application. And from like 26 to 50, like 25 bucks. And 
then from 51 to 100 like 50 dollars each something unreal anyway i did it to the 100 and something residency programs that i was able to apply throughout the united states i put the hours i put the money i put the effort and unfortunately i got zero interviews and hundreds of declining letters by residency program coordinators residency attending uh, physicians program directors telling me that i had not given a opportunity to interview same thing uh by the end of the matching process for family medicine i got no interviews and the moment of the scramble came along i was sad i was frustrated i was living in miami i came to miami for the match day i remember i think it was February, March of year 2002. And it was the most stressful situation. My two great friends at the time, Hernan Pabon, who is an amazing physician also in the Miami Broward County region, uh, Carlos Herman, my friend, who we call Chewbacca. We created about six or seven different email accounts and we bombarded the residency programs during the scramble. We were making calls, sending faxes, uh, ringing phones for six hours, I think it was that day. And I was able to get through a residency program in uh, Nebraska. And a few days later, or I think the same day, I got a phone call from uh, the program director asking me to come for an interview in Omaha, Nebraska. A few days later, via priority mail, I received an invitation to come for the interview. And I packed my bags and wrapped it up during the cold spring of Omaha, Nebraska. And I arrived there. Uh, I was hosted by a friend of mine, uh, Frank Soto, in his house. He was working at the same time at the University of Miami as a PhD research student. Uh, in uh, ophthalmology in the department of ophthalmology and I went through the interview I was applying for an urban underserved family medicine position at the one world community health center associated and affiliated through the University of Nebraska family medicine department this uh, clinic was formerly known as the Indian Chicano Health Center so I was offered the residency position through the scramble, I took it as a civilian. We had a combined program with the military, with the Air Force, and I attended the residency training at the University of Nebraska Medical Center from July 2003 to June 2006. I became residency trained, board certified in family medicine, but uh, my dreams of becoming an emergency physician were still in the back of my head. So, uh, believe it or not, uh, during my first year of family medicine, I made a rotation in the emergency department. I did apply again through every single residency program in the United States in emergency medicine. I didn't get any positions. I was remarkably concerned of potentially switching from a primary care specialty towards emergency medicine. Extremely hard. I still needed more experience, etc., etc. For many reasons, I was unsuccessful. The second year of residency training, I did the same. I was... Uh, told that the Nebraska Medical Center was opening a residency medic medicine position. I approached the medical director at that point in time, Dr. Wadman. He asked me, sure, more than welcome to apply. I think they started with three spots, if I do recall well. 
and I did my best on rotating through the ED, get to be known by the local attending physicians. I had applied to every single residency program during my second year, and after thousands of dollars, I had no success. During my third year, I had uh, one more opportunity to apply. I did it through more selective residency programs, but at the same time, becoming a senior resident in the, at the University of Nebraska, I was also obligated to find a job uh, since I had gotten an H-1 visa. We can talk about visa requirements in the future. I was also in the lookout for the labor certification process to be able to get my green card. Despite this, I gave it a shot. I applied to emergency medicine for a third time, didn't match. Head on to look for a job. The people that I was moonlighting for since second year, they offered me a spot to work as a family physician in the emergency room. I worked in several rural emergency departments in Iowa for two years, from Red Oak to Harlan, Atlantic, Otomwa, Washington, Muscatine, Waterloo, Mount Pleasant, all the way to uh, Cook, Iowa, in the border with Missouri. And I did this for two years, traveling thousands of miles in cold winters, in hot summers, to deliver healthcare in the most isolated rural emergency departments of the U.S., all with a goal in mind to do my time and be able to get my green card. During that second year of working as an attending in the emergency room, I always felt that my self-esteem was not complete. I felt that there was something missing in my life. People would tell me, oh, well, just, just, you're just a, a family physician working in the ER, but you're not really an ER doc. At that point in time, I was considering probably doing the alternate pathway for certification in emergency medicine that is non-sponsored residency program, neither credentialed by the formal boards of academic uh, recognition in the United States. And I don't know, I was getting frustrated. I was thinking about living in the United States. I didn't really want to practice family medicine. And I even thought about going to work in New Zealand, Australia, etc. But then I said, okay, let's give it a shot one more time. I was uh, in Iowa. I applied to the University of Iowa program. And every single program in the country all over again. And I only got an interview at the University of Iowa program. At the University of South Florida program. Uh, it was amazing having had gotten interviews because I never had one. I was super anxious. I didn't know what to expect. But with the hopes and expectations, I packed my bags and came here to Florida to interview after uh, having had interview in Iowa. I have a fantastic experience with Dr. Kelly O'Keefe, who is like a father to me. He gave me the opportunity of my lifetime. He gave me the opportunity to become a board-certified residency trained emergency physician. And I was accepted into his program. Uh, my situation was very particular. Uh, I think I did interview really well. I had the knowledge and experience of who was he looking after. And he had fired a resident and he told me to drop my match, drop off the match and to take a position off match. And that I was ready to begin in March 1st. He initially requested me to start in March 1st, in February 1st, and I couldn't do it. So he told me March, March 1st. I was still committed to my employer uh, till June of 2008 uh, to complete my labor certification. And they were 
super nice and supported my decision and they said don't worry Alonso go ahead and move, move down to Florida sell your house pack your bags and we'll support you in your dream since you were not able to make it here in Iowa we'll support you through this endeavor and I did it I came here from Iowa I attended the University of South Florida Emergency Medicine Residency Program at Tampa General Hospital from March 2008 through 2011 and it's been now eight and a half fantastic years of practicing as an emergency physician. Right now, I'm double boarded, residency trained, both board certified in emergency medicine and family medicine. I am a fellow of the American Academy of Family Physicians. I am a fellow of the American College of Emergency Physicians. I am a fellow of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. And uh, I consider myself, myself a success story, full of struggles, but there was only one thing, and it was that I never gave up. And I was lucky. I had an angel that came through my path, Dr. O'Keefe, he gave me the opportunity. And I think he probably saw in my eyes that I had the grit and the dedication and the commitment to make it into America. So after five, six grueling years of looking to fulfill a dream, I think I got there. I felt extremely satisfied. And right now, I kind of feel happier about what I have accomplished. So my job right now is about giving back. Giving back. I have accomplished so much for myself. We're financially stable, we're professionally successful. I'm now the associate medical director for my uh, job, uh, one of the largest uh, emergency departments in the nation. And I just see myself at the age of 41, having reached the plateau of my private professional practice. And I think uh, we're here to discuss, share your thoughts, share my thoughts, interview some people, get together, go over experiences, situations, and keep filling in the bucket of hopes and experiences that we all need to make it in America. So go to my website, fmg-imgcast.com. That's fmg-imgcast.com. You will be taken to the Foreign International Medical Graduate Podcast. You will see my picture, my biography, our logo, and... All the episodes will be available here and will be available through all the most common uh, social media platforms and uh, cloud services uh, and RSS feeds. There are some tips that now are about two years old of things that I have written, but they're still fairly useful and up to date. And hit me up. Go ahead and send me an email. Uh, feel free to follow the link at the bottom of the page. Uh, we have about 1,074 hits on my website. Please share the love, share, share my website, listen to the podcast, and leave me good feedback. Any good reviews are really deeply appreciated. Thank you for coming back, and we'll see you in the next chapter. Thank you. Thank you.